Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that as we heard tonight from Denny, that we can come boldly before thy throne of grace because of the blood of our Savior and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need. We can tell you, we can tell Jesus, we must. And so now, Father, as we look into your word, I pray that you'd bring encouragement to our hearts once again and our faith might be strengthened as we continue to fix our eyes upon our Lord Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. We continue our series tonight, Steps of Elisha. Steps of Elisha part 7. We've arrived at part 7 here. We come to another account in the life of Elisha uh, that I think if there's one that stands out above all the others in his ministry, um, it is this one. Now, the last time we were together and we, we looked at verses uh, 1 through 7, and that was the miracle the Lord performed for a widow and her son uh, concerning the oil. But now we come to verse 8. And when Elisha continues his ministry and traveling, and uh, we're going to come upon another woman uh, who really, uh, I think, really stands out to us uh, when it comes to faith, faithfulness, and hospitality for, for God's people. And so look with me, if you will, at verses 8 through 10. Let's pick it up there. Beginning verse 8. Now there came a day when Elisha passed over to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Let us make a little walled upper chamber, and let us set a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. And it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. Now here is an incredible woman. Now, uh, it's translated here, there was a prominent woman. It also means you may have a translation that says great, a great woman. But the word great there has the idea of prominent, which means a woman of, uh, usually means a woman of, uh, or a person of wealth, influence, and character. And so this woman had to be well known. And she must have been, uh, as, as we will see, a woman that, that was concerned about the needs of others. And we have so many uh, in our church, ladies that are, will be, as I read this story, uh, r- remind me of her. Uh, those of you who have, have, have shown hospitality over and over and over again, uh, to God's people and, and 
just reached out and were willing to to meet a need. But here is a woman, and uh, we are going to we see that she is full of faith and good works. Her godliness and respect for God's word is seen in her hospitality to Elisha. Now, of course, in ancient times, you didn't have holiday inns or, uh, you know, quality inns, that sort of thing. So people would take in travelers if, you know, if they were coming by and some would, some wouldn't because sometimes you'd be taking a chance. But uh, people were gracious back then. You had gracious people, but especially if they came across a prophet. And uh, we see uh, the importance of, of being um, uh, a minister to God's ministers. You know, the, the scriptures tell us, we see it in the New Testament, of how we ought to take opportunities to show hospitality to those that are in need, and especially those who are in ministry. In fact, turn to 1 Peter with me, chapter 4. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. And actually, uh, <clears throat> look at verse 9 and 10. 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10. Peter writes, Be hospitable to one another without, what? Complaint. Without complaint. How, have you ever found yourself being hospitable or doing something for someone, but under your breath you're complaining, I'm complaining? Oh, yes, you know, do, what, I have to do this? I feel I'm obligated, yeah. Oh, I'd love to help you out, yes, come over for dinner, and, you know, and it, it just thinks, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's that old nature that sometimes we complain when we, we are going to be hospitable, hospitable to somebody. But there, verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This woman here, the Sunamite woman, she not only would invite Elisha in for a meal, but she went beyond that. She, she just went to the nth degree. Not only did she provide a meal, but... She comes to her husband and says, Honey, um, I have this idea. You know, this is a man of God. And, you know, we, we feed him. But he comes here often. He comes by our place often. You know what I think we should do? I think we should give him his own private room. You know, make the extension. And then later maybe we can turn it into the in-laws' quarters. Who, who knows what no she was thinking. But they, here she wanted, as asking her husband, notice she asks her husband to, to, how, to, to be able to go to this degree of hospitality to furnish a whole room just for him. Now, turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Let's go to Galatians 6, verse 6. 
And the Apostle Paul writes to the church here, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Now Paul speaks of ministering to those who are sharing the word, such as a man like Elisha, someone in the ministry. Verse 6, Galatians 6. And let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. That's, that's pretty plain and simple. And I know that speaking on behalf of me and my family, this is what we have seen in all the years we've been here. We've seen you dear folk time and time again in so many ways share good things with us and, 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 and encourage us and help meet our needs as a family. And we see that, that God, uh, uh, when he uh, calls somebody, he's going to meet their needs. And we've seen that firsthand over the years as we trust him to provide. And the Lord's going to uh, bless those who do provide. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall reap the flesh corruption. But the one who, show, who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And then verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So here, the Apostle Paul makes it clear we are to be show hospitality and take opportunity to do good to all men, saved and unsaved, but especially the church, especially the family of God. So this woman had this kind of heart. Turn back with me then to 2 Kings. Let's go back to 2 Kings. We are, she really gives us an example of, of, of seeking to, to minister to someone who is in the gospel ministry, is in, uh, serving the Lord, and she reaches out to meet that ministry. So here she says to her husband, again, there in verse 10, let us make a little walled upper chamber and let us set a bed there and a table, a chair, lampstand. And any time he comes, he has a place to stay. And then verse 11, one day he came there and turned in to the upper chamber and rested. Uh, we, uh, through the years, uh, We've experienced hospitality in our ministry as we traveled, and we would stay in, in, in people's homes. They would open up their homes as we arrive at a church or a place to minister, and then we'd stay at folks' places, and, uh, and we just experienced this hospitality. Now, no one has ever built a room for us. That hasn't happened, never happened. Um, but what's interesting is uh, when we were in Florida— uh, we we were ministering in a church, and uh, there was a uh, a missionary uh, who was now there at the church. Um, he 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 was off the field, but 
uh, he shared a story of uh, a time when, when he was traveling, ministering, and he came to a church, and there was a couple in the church that took him in and said, oh, uh, we have a room for you. And they took him upstairs to the top floor, the attic, and he came in, and there was a thoroughly furnished room in the attic. And the lady said, well, this is our sacred room. This is what we call the prophet's chamber. And that's what many termed it. Many people would, would in, in, in Old Testament times, they would make, maybe make something like this lady and her husband did. Make a room and call it the prophet's chamber where the, uh, so a servant of the Lord would stay. So he couldn't believe it. She, they actually had a room where the, she, she says, yeah, when we have special guests and ministers and missionaries come in, uh, they stay in this room the prophet's chamber. So have a good night's sleep. So he gets into bed. And as he climbs into bed, he, um, he starts to smell some awful odors. And, and, he's, he, and he's lying there, turns over and tosses and turns. And, oh, the, the, the odor is so strong that, that he, 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 has, he gets out of bed and it's so strong that he goes in and sleeps on the floor. I mean, he has to get away from the bed. And the next morning, he goes down for breakfast. He didn't sleep at all that night. Goes down for breakfast, and they have breakfast for him, sits at the table. And, and the lady of the house says, did you have a good sleep? He goes, I slept Okay. You know, he didn't want to offend her about these odors. And the lady said to him, you know, we consider that room so sacred that we haven't changed the bed sheets in 25 years. That is a fact. He was just like, oh, now he knew what, what actually was the reason for all that odor. But he shared that with us personally. That can happen. You know, when you're staying with someone, you don't know what you're going to get. But here, this Shunammite woman, she really cared. And so they made this prophet's chamber, this walled upper chamber for Elisha. And so let's read now together verse 12. Let's pick it up at verse 12. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he, and he said to him, Say now to her, Behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king? Or to the captain of the army? I mean, he's offering her anything he can do and saying, can I put in a good word for you? What do you need? What can I give you in, as a thank you? This showed us, shows us the heart of Elisha. And notice what he does. He, show, he, he uses his servant, Gehazi, 
And no doubt this had to be encouraging to Gehazi that Elisha would turn to him and say, I want you to go on my behalf and ask this woman, is there anything that she really needs? Uh, This illustrates a little bit of on-the-job training here for Gehazi. You know, Elisha was involving his servant in the ministry. And I think that's important, too, those of us who, who are in some kind of ministry here at Jonestown Bible Church, for those that are helpers, those that are coming alongside to, to, and volunteer. To, maybe they're not the ones that are teaching, but they're the ones that are helping, that, that are there to assist. I think it's important that we remember to, to involve them as much as we can and to encourage them in their ministry with us. But here he uses Gehazi, and he says, go, go ask her what she needs, what she would like. And, uh, and so we see then that uh, as, as he, he comes before uh, the woman, verse 14, so he said, when then is, well, I'm sorry, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, because she basically said, I live among my own people, so there's nothing I need back in, at the end of verse 13. She said, I really don't need anything. This is, again, shows us the character of this dear lady. But now Elisha asks Gehazi, do you have any ideas how to help this woman? And Ge- Gehazi knew something about her family now. And he said in verse 14 to Elisha, Truly she has no son, and her husband is old. Yes, that was kind of when, that's what they called me when we first had our first one. After 18 years of marriage, I was an old guy. But here is is a family, the husband's old, she has no son. And so Elisha says, that's it. That's where we, God is going to bless her. And verse 15, and he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, at this season next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Sort of like the idea that Sarah had, the feeling Sarah had when God told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. She thought it impossible. So she's saying, don't lie to me about this. But then surprise, verse 17, and the woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year as Elisha had said to her. So God rewarded this woman for her care for for the minister of God. But... Suddenly things change. And in our own personal lives, sometimes we're, we see a blessing that God has given. And then sometimes we find out that later he may take away that blessing. He may choose to change. He allows the, the, 
uh, the, uh, the circumstances of life and the plan under his providential care and control, he allows sometimes even tragedy in our lives. And that's exactly what happened, as you know the story, with the Shunammite woman. Look at verse 18. When the child was grown, the day came when he went out to his father and to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. He was having pain in his head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. I know some of you have lost children. And you've, you've, you were blessed with them, and then God in his sovereignty chose to take them. Why? You may never get the answer until heaven. We don't get those answers. But here is this son that was given to her out of gratitude for what she, her ministry to Elisha, and now the child is gone. And so look at verse 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, took him to the prophet's chamber, and shut the door behind him and went out. And then she called to her husband and said, Please send one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. You see, the husband, here's this tragedy. They just lost the son. She lays his body in the bed. And then then she says, please send me one of the servants. I need to run to the man of God and return. Run to the man of God and return. Now the husband is thinking, well, it's no special day. Why do you want to run to the man of God? Why, what would be the reason? And here is the statement that I want to leave with you in your heart tonight. The end of verse 23. What, the, what is her response to her husband? It will be well. It will be well. Now, how does this statement come out of this woman who just held her child in her arms and he died? And she, after laying the, the son down, says to her husband, I need to go and get the man of God. It will be well. How can it be well? The greatest tragedy just took place in your life. Now we see in this woman how deep her faith and trust in the Lord is. It is so deep. She trusts the Lord so much and has such faith in the Lord. She doesn't know what God has, in pl- has planned, but it knows that part of that plan was the death of her son, and she's upset. She's crying. She's torn up. We're going to see how upset she is. But with the tears flowing down, 
her heart broken, she can say, it will be well. I think this is such an example to us today that we can get to a place in our life, in our faith, where if we are trusting him, just like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if we're trusting the Lord with all our heart and not leaning into our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge acknowledging him, he will direct our path. That means whatever is ahead of me, I am able to say, it will be well. Even if God doesn't raise his child back, whatever, she, I don't know what was going exactly through her mind, but she was heartbroken, but she told her husband, I'm going. And either way, somehow, God is going to make it well. It will be well because God is in control. What an encouragement to our hearts. And so look at verse 24. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. Why is she in such a hurry if her son is dead? Isn't that interesting? She believed that God, no doubt, could raise her child up. She had to have believed this. And so, verse 24, So she went and came to the man of God, to Mount Carmel. And it came about when the man of God saw her at a distance that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and ask her. Say to her, is it well with you? In other words, he's saying there must be a problem. Ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with your child? Notice that? So Elisha is concerned about the family. And so Gehazi takes these questions to her, runs to her. And look at the end of verse 26. And she answers what? It is well. It is well. And in a moment, we're going to be closing with that song. It is well with my soul. Here, this woman says it a second time. Not only to her husband, but now to Elisha and to the servant. Yeah, it's well. What do you mean it's well? Your whole life is, you know, he's going to find out that her life seems to have come to an end. The son has died. Can you really say it as well? Her faith was upon the solid rock. In spite of the storm that, that shook her house, shook her life, And, you know, she could have been thinking, you know, uh, she could have gotten really angry at God. Now, she is going to question God and question Elisha about this. But she does say it is well in her soul. But verse 27, when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught hold of his, his feet 
And Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is troubled within her. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. He didn't know what was going on. God hadn't revealed to Elisha that the son had died. But he knew that she was troubled the way she fell at his feet. And it tells us that we can be hurting so bad and we can feel such pain and suffering and yet the Lord with the power of the Holy Spirit can get us to a place in our life where in the midst of it all he can calm our troubled souls, calm our heart that we might be able to say it will be well. It will be well, Lord, because my faith is in you. Whatever you have planned for my life, whatever you choose to do, but I'm bringing you my pain. And this is what the woman did. By going to Elisha, she was bringing it to the Lord. In verse 28, then she said, did I ask for a son for my Lord? In other words, you know, I didn't come asking for a child, but you, you promised one and gave it to me. Did I not say, do not deceive me? And then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, do not salute him. And if anyone salutes you, do not answer him. And lay my staff on the lad's face. Now, we don't understand why Elisha did what he did. But he sends his servant ahead with his staff and says, lay it on the lad's face. Quite unusual. And the mother of the lad said, as the Lord lives and as as you yourself live, I will not leave you. (laughs) And he rose and followed her. You see, Elisha wasn't even going to go. Elisha was believing that if he even just sent his servant with his staff and laid the staff on the child, the child would live. But this woman, she said, no, Elisha, you have to come. I want you to be there. I'm not leaving you. She's not going to go back with just the servant, but he had to go. And so then Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the lad's face. But there was neither sound nor response. Nothing happened. So then he returned to meet him and told him, the lad is not awakened. And when Elisha came into the house, behold, the lad was dead. Notice we are, again, having it confirmed that the lad is not just asleep or in a coma, but he is dead. Behold, the lad is dead and laid on the bed. So he, Elisha, entered, shut the door behind them both, and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and he laid on the child. Just trying to picture this. And put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and stretched himself on him. And something suddenly happened. And the flesh of the child became warm. Life was returning to his body. 
Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times and the lad opened his eyes. God brought this child back to life for this woman. He didn't have to. It was not promised that he would rise again. But she did have the faith to trust God and say, no matter what, it is well. And she called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And so he called her. And when she came up to him, he said, take your son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground, took up her son and went out. God provided a miracle for this woman. This woman of faith, a woman who loved God, that didn't know how God was going to, to handle her situation and her pain. But no matter what the outcome, she was willing to say, it will be well. My friends, tonight, whatever pain is on your heart tonight, whatever you are feeling, whether it's family, whether it's a job, whether it's your health, whatever it is, and maybe you're crying out to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand why. He can calm our troubled soul and calm our heart, and we can get to the point that Horatio George Spafford got to. As you know the story, we all know the story so well, that his wife and four children were on an ocean liner. He was not with them, but the ocean liner hit another sailing vessel, and it sank in the cold waters of the Atlantic. And they they all died. Uh, I'm sorry, the three died, but the wife was rescued, the mom was rescued. And she, she sent a telegram to Horatio George that said simply this, saved but alone. Saved but alone. He knew of the tragedy. He heard of the accident. And he wondered, did they live? Did they make it? And from that, that telegram, he knew that his wife made it, but the children didn't. Later on, he went out on a ship to that very spot, another ship, to that very spot where his children drowned. And on that ship, that is when he penned the words to this song that we're going to sing. When peace like a river attendeth my way, and when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul.